Well, I hope my voice was loud enough. Did you hear the scripture and follow it here? Oh, good. We won't go back and repeat. Let's stop and just start at this point then. Napoleon Bonaparte and the Apostle Paul are the most renowned prisoners of history. One was in prison because the peace of the world demanded it. The other because he sought to give men that peace which the world cannot give and which the world cannot take away. Napoleon once said, I love nobody, not even my brothers. It is not strange, therefore, at the end of his life, on his rock prison in the South Atlantic, he said, and I quote, I wonder if there is anyone in the whole world who really loves me. Probably some of the saddest words ever said. But Paul loved all men. His heart was the heart of the world. From his lonely prison at Rome, he sent out messages which glow with love unquenchable and thrived with a fabulous hope. When a man enters the straits of life, he's fortunate if he has a few friends upon which he can count to the uttermost. Paul considers three such friends. The first of these was the name that needs no explanation, the one who would be the friend of every man, the friend of all friends, his life for all of us, Jesus. Truly, he was the Apostle Paul's friend. The second was that man whose face is almost the first and almost the last we see in life, the physician. This friend, Paul handed down to immortality with that imperishable introduction, Luke, the beloved physician. And again, only Luke is with me. The third of those friends was the youth Timothy, whom Paul affectionately called my son the faith. Paul's last letter is to this dearest of his friends, Timothy, whom he's left in charge of the far-off church in Ephesus. He tells Timothy that he wants him to come and be with him at Rome. He's to stop at Troas on the way, pick up his books, for Paul is a scholar even to the end. He's to bring the cloak which Paul had left at the house of Carpus in Troas. It's getting cold in Rome, for the summer's waning, and Paul wants his robe to keep him warm. But most of all, Paul wants Timothy to bring himself. Do your best to come to me quickly, he writes. And then just before the close of the letter, he says, do your best to get here before winter. Now, why before winter? Because when winter set in, the season for navigation closed in the Mediterranean. and It was dangerous for ships to venture out to the sea. If Timothy waits until winter, he will have to wait until spring. And Paul has a premonition that he will not last out the winter. For he said at the beginning of the letter, the time of my departure is at hand. We like to think that Timothy did not wait a single day after that letter from Paul reached him at Ephesus. Before winter or never. There are some things which will never be done unless they're done before winter. There are voices speaking to us today, each one of us, which a year from today may well be silent. Before winter or never. How quickly autumn passes. Yesterday we saw the forests in all their splendor, but tomorrow the rain will fall, the winds will blow, and the trees will be stripped and barren. Therefore, every returning autumn brings home to us the sense of the preciousness of life's opportunities, their beauty, but also their brevity. Taking our suggestions, then, from this message of Paul in the prison at Rome to Timothy in far-off Ephesus, come before winter. 
Let us listen to some of those voices which now are speaking to us so earnestly and which a year from today may be forever silent. The first voice is the call to become a better person. How many times we've all said that? I just want to be a better person. As men standing before the furnaces of the steel mill with tongs in their hands in Pittsburgh, ready to seize the fiery coils and wreck into the molds, they had to hurry. If the iron is permitted to cool down before a certain temperature, it refuses the mold. There are times in our lives that are best for us to make changes and become better people. We have to resist each temptation while you still have the desire to do so. Because so many times, if you don't do it today, you may never do it. Today is your day of opportunity. You think about what you'd like to do to become a better person. Stop and think about what will be the first thing you will do for that to happen. You can do it. I can do it. We can do it. Those good things you plan to do, do them before winter. The second was that voice of friendship that the Apostle Paul talked about. Let's suppose Timothy didn't leave right away. He finally makes his way to the ship. He's told the reason, the season for navigation is over and there are no vessels that will sail until springtime. You can hear Timothy saying, what, no ships until April? All through the anxious winter, we could then imagine Timothy reproaching himself that he did not go at once when he received Paul's letter and always wondering every day how Paul is doing. We can imagine him arriving in springtime and cursed by the guards. Don't you know that Paul was beheaded last December? Every time I put a key in the door of his cell, Paul thought you were coming. His last message was for you. Give my love to Timothy, my beloved son in the faith, when he comes. How Timothy would then have wished he had come before winter. It might well be before winter or never. The disciples complained when Mary anointed Jesus with costly ornament. And Jesus said this, The poor always you have with me, with you, but me you have not always. That is true of all the friends we love. Think about all your friends who have now passed away. In old Abbey Kirk at Haddington, over the grave of Jane Welsh by her husband, Thomas Carlyle, are these words. For 40 years, she was a true and loving helpmate of her husband, and by act and word, worthily forward him as none else could, in all worthy he did or attempted. It's been said that the saddest sentence in the English literature is that sentence written by Carlyle then in his diary. Oh, that I had you yet for five minutes by my side that I might tell you all. We must not deal with our loved ones as if we would always have them with us. Cherish what is dearest while you have it near you and wait not until it's far away. On one of the early occasions when McCartney preached this text in Philadelphia, there was present at the service a student in the Jefferson Medical College. When the service was over, he went back to his room in Arch Street, where the text kept repeating itself in his mind. He kept thinking, come before winter. Come before winter. 
what can I do? He wrote a letter to his mom, and shortly after he received a telegram, come home at once, your mother is dying. He took a train that night to Pittsburgh, arrived at the farm, mother still living, with a smile of recognition and satisfaction on her face. He noticed under her pillow was the letter he had written. The next time he saw Mr. McCartney, he said, I'm so glad you preached that sermon. Come before winter. The disciples were sleeping in the Garden of Gethsemane. He took them there for one reason, to pray. And just before he was betrayed and crucified, the 14th chapter of Mark's Gospel records, he took Peter, James, and John along with him and began to be deeply distressed and troubled. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death, he said to them. Stay here and keep watch. Twice he returned and found them sleeping. And then returning the third time, he said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Enough! The hour has come. Look, the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. Sleeping instead of praying to answer the request of Jesus, their master. Never again would be able to watch with Jesus in that hour of agony. It had passed. You say you intended to do this thing, to speak this word of appreciation or show this act of kindness, but when that moment passes, it may never come again. In addition to the voice of being a better person, the voice of friendship, Paul's third voice was the most important, the highest pinnacle, the voice of Christ. I wish I had been there when Jesus called his disciples. There must have been a note of love and authority as he put out the call. The Bible says that there was an immediate urgency, and many times it says at that moment they left all and followed him. We'd say, boy, that was great. Surprising? When you hear the voice of Jesus, that's the time to respond. Think back to you who are believers today. You've made that decision. Think back to how you feel about answering that call of Jesus. Let me take away your sins. Let me be your Savior. And you did it. And he planted within your heart a hope to never die. But what about those that need to do it? How about those around you? Maybe even someone here today that they've never responded to the Holy Spirit that says, come to Jesus. Give your life to him. Let him become your Savior today. Today. Not tomorrow. Now is the accepted time, the Scripture says. Now is the day of salvation. The reason for this urgency is twofold. Uncertainty of human life and the disposition of a man's heart may change. We think things are always going to be the same every day. Now, you know from experience of living that does not happen. Things change. And when today is your day, you're thinking, what do I need to do before winter? And it comes to your mind, put it at the top of the list and do it. Tomorrow may be too late. An old rabbi used to say to his people, repent the day before you die. He loved to hear him say, Rabbi, 
We don't even know the day we're going to die. He would look at them with a smile on his face and say, then I suggest you repent today. That makes us think, isn't it, about the things we, we can't always control the time for. There's life, there is death. Come before winter. Today a person may even hear this sermon and be interested, impressed, and almost persuaded, ready to take their stand for Christ and enter eternal life. But they may postpone and never make that decision. They could make it today. And all of us need to rejoice that we have made that decision today and be grateful for the Lord who takes away our sins. October 25, 1981, the following common column entitled A Heavy-Hearted Observer appeared in the Ann Landers column with these words. Yesterday was an old man's birthday. He was 91. He awakened earlier than usual, bathed, shaved, and put in his clothes. Surely they would come today, he thought. He didn't take his daily walk to the gas station to visit with the old-timers of the community because he wanted to be right here when they came. He sat in the front porch with a clear view of the road so he could even see them coming. Surely they would come today. He decided to skip his noon nap because he wanted to be up and awake when they came. He has six children. Two of his daughters and their married children live within four miles. They hadn't been to see him for such a long time. But today was his birthday. Surely they would come today. At supper time, he refused to cut the cake and asked that the ice cream be left in the freezer. He wanted to wait and have dessert with them when they came. About nine o'clock, he went to his room and got ready for bed. His last words before turning out the lights were, promise you'll wake me up when they come. And they never came. It was his birthday. He was 91. I hope that that will make us think about the opportunities, the privileges we have in life for the things we can do and make a difference before winter. Over the years when I preached this sermon, I've received so many responses from people sharing with me the impact the sermon had on them, the Word of God. I'm only going to read a few of them to you today, but I could read a whole stack and go on for a long time. The Holy Spirit has spoken to many through this scripture. November 3rd, 1996, following the Come Before Winter sermon, which I preached at two services. In the first service, someone was there that later as we were getting into our car finishing the second service, they called out to us. And they said these words, Thanks for preaching that sermon. We went to a family attending Manor Woods and made peace concerning a negative situation that existed between us for a long time. We hugged. It felt good to make it right. Words like that bring a lot of emotion to my eyes because we want the voice of God to be heard in our lives. We want to be challenged to do what God wants us to do 
and see the blessing. This was a note in January 23rd, 1996. Ken and Jeanette, it's meant so much to me to see the two of you. Ken, I'm so glad I came to your service, come before winter. We went and visited with Dad right after. He passed away a few days later. Love, Susie. Oftentimes, people cut out clippings and give to me and say, you might want to use that in a future sermon. This individual gave me this in 1995. And the little article said, I was young, age 25, and just married. On my way to lunch, I was rambling on to a friend about how annoyed I was by my dad's too frequent phone calls, especially when they rattled on about trivia and things I had no interest in. There was silence in the car. As my friend slowed down, I could see him fighting back tears he delivered the heartfelt message that I've never forgotten. My friend asked me how it would feel if the phone didn't ring anymore. He told me how my heart would hurt and how that pain would be one of the hardest to put to rest. I grew up that moment and understood what he meant. I thought about that message every day until my dad passed away. To this day, I thank my friend for the gift of that lesson. That night and every night after, I shared a phone call with my dad, sometimes brief, sometimes long, but he heard my voice, and that is what mattered. It's been nine months since dad passed away, and believe me, Anne, I would give anything if that phone would ring so I could talk to him just one more time. This was Peter in Plainview, New York. This note in 1996 said, I'm Sharon Johnson's friend. I was at church on Sunday when you preached the Come Before Winter sermon. Thanks for preaching and also for letting people know about it so they can attend. I visited a family at Shady Grove Hospital, spent time from 6 to 6.45 p.m. with them. The patient was in ICU. After I left, I found out the patient died at 7 p.m., just 15 minutes later. If it hadn't been for that sermon, I don't know if I would have made the effort to go visit the patient so quickly. Thanks again for preaching. Come before winter. I hope the Holy Spirit was working on each one of us during our sermon today. That we'll be now convicted and quickly thinking about how easy it would be, how wonderful it would be to have something come into our minds and our hearts guided by the Lord that we need to do before winter. It might be something in order to show love, compassion, concern. It might be to a family member, a close friend, or a neighbor, or anyone else the Lord brings into our mind. Once again, we need to hear those words, come before winter. Do what you know you ought to do. Think about it. I think the Lord will, the Spirit will touch your heart, what you ought to do. Listen to your heart. Do what your heart tells you to do before life is over, while life still exists. Make that phone call or write that note today to tell someone, I love you. Or, thanks for all you've done for me. Or maybe, I'm sorry. Or, 
I forgive you. Go to that one who needs you. Maybe do a deed of kindness. Maybe just to express gratitude and appreciation. Maybe to seek forgiveness. Perhaps just to be with them. Make the decision today to accept Jesus as your Savior. Please, ask God to guide you in doing whatever you need to do as quickly as possible. May these words ring in our hearts from this day forward. Come before winter. Almighty God, we just have open hearts today to hear your voice, leading of your spirit. Your family consists of good people. And yes, sometimes the urgency escapes our minds and our hearts. Father, we just pray that you will touch our hearts in a way that we'll respond to whatever it is we need to do. And we will do it today to honor you and your word and the power of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We offer this prayer in his holy name and dedicate our lives to do whatever you guide us to do. Amen. Will you stand and sing our closing song, please?